All right, well, good morning. Thank you, uh, thank you to the worship team. Uh, it was a delight to worship with you guys. Um, just a beautiful time to come together as the church gathered and singing praises and recognizing who indeed is king of kings today in this world. And uh, we, we just, uh, our family, I know somebody's like always keeping math on how many of my seven, I don't know, do you guys even believe I have seven children? Uh, it's, it's actually true. Uh, we do. There are six of us together today, which is only like, what is that, a D? So, uh, so it, it is, uh, Ds get degrees though, is what I understand. So I feel like it's a little bit of passing, but anyway, we are delighted to be here. Thank you guys so much for the invitation. Appreciate the leadership team here at Cedar Home that, uh, keep saying, come back, which is nice. Like, we, we enjoy being with you guys. It's a, it is fun getting to know more and more of you. You have a fun church. I don't know if you know this. Um, maybe some of you only go to this church. I, like, you know, get around from time to time. And, and uh, you guys are fun. And I, I just want you to know that this morning, is that you are fun. And I, I like to have fun. And so um, it is, uh, it's fun to be with you guys. So thank you guys for your hospitality as a church. Thank you for uh, your kind words and your encouragement. And um, what a beautiful drive this morning. I hope you guys enjoyed the drive in this morning. Um, maybe some of you drove as long as I did, but uh, maybe not. But we had a lovely view of, of the mountains this morning. It was, it was delightful. So it is an honor and joy to worship with you guys this morning. We're in, uh, your church is in the midst of a series on the book of Joshua, and it's been a lot of fun. A few weeks ago, uh, Joshua 1 was kind of opened up, and it was, it was be strong and courageous. That's right, in the midst of this leadership transition between Moses and Joshua. And then uh, the week two, uh, Pastor Nate was here to, uh, to remind us of this outrageous grace of God that we see in the life of Rahab in our own lives right? Amen to that. Um, and then last week, we looked at the awesome power of God as the Israelites crossed into the promised land, uh, keeping their eyes on the presence of God as they crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. Um, and we see that God is a promise keeper and this powerful and amazing God. Um, and then this is where we find ourselves this morning in uh, Joshua 4. So if you're an overachiever, uh, you can go to Joshua 4 this morning right now in advance so that you're ready later uh, when we get to the book. But uh, this morning we are talking about the importance of remembering. Uh, the importance of remembering. So I just have a, I have a few questions for you this morning. Do you remember? You can raise your hand. I know you are a fun congregation, right? So you can, you can raise your hand. You know, if you shout out, I may or may not engage with you, depending on if it was nice or not. Um, but you are welcome to, like, raise your hand. Like, do you remember when there was no internet? Okay. All right. Remember how there was life and you could have friends before social media? Yes. Do you remember how you got DVDs delivered to your home in the mail through Netflix? Okay. Uh, for those of us a bit older, do you remember how it was great to stop by your local blockbuster to uh, walk up and down the aisles to find a DVD to rent? Do you remember this? Yes. Uh, for maybe a little bit older crew, uh, you know, not naming names, but maybe a little bit older, those of us, do you guys remember the Be Kind Rewind signs in the VHS rental stores? Okay. Um, do you remember that there once was a time where Fox News or CNN was not going 24-7? That, that happened. Um, 
Do you, uh, do, this is a scary thought for some of you, but do you remember that if you missed a TV show, you actually missed it forever? <laughs> like that, I know, kids, it's crazy, but that actually happened. Do you remember that you had to write a college essay all by yourself instead of relying upon AI? Right? Uh, do you remember when video game systems only had like two buttons to mash? My first gaming system um, was like a joystick and one button. And then, and then I got really excited because the next one came out, the original NES. How, how many of you had the original NES? Yeah? Oh, just three of you. Awesome. Um, <laughs> It's not a gaming church. I'm not a gamer, but you know, they had the, like the little controller that had the one directional pad and then two buttons. It was fantastic. And uh, uh, for the total nerds, you knew the like the cheat codes on Conan or uh, what was it? Contra, like up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start. Yeah, that gave you unlimited lives. <laughs> These are the things we remember. All right. Uh, Remember that you had to, if, if you wanted to listen to a song over and over again, like whenever you wanted to at, at your own leisure, you had to like listen to the radio, predict when the song was going to come on, hit the like record and play button at the exact same time with a cassette tape in there, and then like hope that the DJ wouldn't talk over the song. How frustrating was that? Like finally it came on, and then, and then of course you, you had to make a mixtape for uh, your uh, secret friend, and uh, and... <laughs> And you, ha you know, it took a long time to do this. This was like an act of love. Uh, and so it is, it is fun to remember some of these things. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in this place of remembering and we get nostalgic. And for some reason, I don't know, I finally made it to the age where it seems like, I don't know, I feel like maybe the entertainment industry and the culture out there thinks that we don't, but you know, like we might have a little bit of disposable income. And so like all of like the things coming out, I feel like are nostalgic for the 40 something to 50 something. And, uh, and, it, and it's kind of fun. Like everybody, you know, it's like bringing back all of these things that were from my childhood. Like apparently, you know, flare jeans are cool again and like high-waisted jeans. I don't know, like it's weird. Um, I'm just waiting for like the high bangs to come back. Those, those, uh, those have never come back. I, it was a bad idea to begin with, but. Whew, if you have high bangs, I'm sorry. <laughs> Joshua 4 is, uh, is going to help us this morning to think through the importance of remembering. Remembering the things in the past, not to look back on them in a wistful uh, manner, but to look back on them to remember just what exactly God has done for us in the past in order to give us strength, faith, and encouragement in the present. And so uh, let, let's, let's go to the word, Joshua chapter 4. Heavenly Father, before we enter into your word, we do come before you and we just would say uh, thank you that we can have fun together. Thank you that this is a fun gathering of your church here. Thank you that we get to be in your midst this morning and, and delight in singing songs of praise to you. Thank you so much for the tech team and the worship team that, is, that has been able to kind of work together to bring us uh, into your throne room, into your presence, to recognize that you are here in our midst. And Lord, as we turn to your word, would you uh, just open our eyes to see it anew and afresh this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, Joshua chapter 4. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe, a man, and command them, saying, 
Take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodged tonight. And then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste, and when all the people had finished passing over, the Ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for the battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. In those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal, and he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. What a story. I love, I love going through some of these uh, Old Testament books that follow this narrative of the story of God and his people uh, it, is, uh, it is so great to bring that into light of the New Testament and into light of today. And uh, it, is, uh, it is a joy to kind of look at this, this narrative that we find this morning. Um, kind of just, you can imagine you know, being a part of that. I mean, it was a delight to, to sing and praise worship this morning, uh, to see and to know that God is good and to sing of his goodness, to sing of his love, to uh, to sing these songs that we've sung and, and all of the memories that are attached to them. Um, and it is good to come together and to praise that. But can you imagine uh, putting yourself into the shoes or sandals of these Israelites as they cross this dry ground, just 
just can you imagine like the hooting and the hollering and the whooping and I mean it would probably put like a uh, you know a Seahawks game to shame right as you come across this dry ground and you get to the other side into the promised land you would imagine just kind of the exaltation there would be songs that were sung praises shouted poetry written who knows right I, uh, you would imagine the the um, the declaration of the people of God coming through that on the other side seeing the like the very presence of God uh, push back and and put the waters up into a heap like like there would be praise that would just come out of us as we would just see the glorious power and might of the hand of God at work in like a physical tangible just remarkable manner like it, it would be phenomenal and so they have this they have this opportunity uh, you know the Lord instructs Joshua to instruct the people of God to to pick up these stones and so these 12 people they go into the middle of the of the Jordan to grab these stones that wouldn't normally be grabbable right like you know the the waters are still receded the waters are still all heaped up and and so they go into the Jordan and they pull out these large you know, stones. I, you know, you imagine that each of the tribes, like, I want to get a bigger stone than the other tribe. Like, you know, because at the end of the day, these are still sinful human men that probably are a little bit prideful and like, oh, I, ooh, I see Gad has a pretty big rock. You know, like, uh, 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 you know, what? I'm going to get a bigger one, right? And so uh, you would imagine that they uh, would grab these stones and bring them to the side of the river and they set, the, set them up at Gilgal, a place where they're going to camp and um, you would just imagine like, okay, this is, a, this is a structure now, a monument, a place of remembering that's really significant and just an opportunity to, to be reminded of the power of God. And Joshua, um, you, know, it, it, you know, it's interesting, like he goes into the middle of the Jordan and he, and he stacks up his own sets of rocks in there. And he kind of has this po- personal, this moment that's kind of probably very personal for him to remember what God had done. Because as the waters then uh, fill back the, the banks and then overflow the banks, as, as we know that this river was, a, it is a raging sort of flood stage anyway, that like his memorial was like covered up. And so that was probably something really kind of significant for him in a personal manner. Um, And I just think that's an interesting note that we see from the scripture. Something else that we see from the scripture is that they were ready for war. Did you notice that? Like, you know, they sent 40,000 soldiers across first ready, like, who knows, right? We know already, like Rahab had seen and knew that this you know, million plus group of people were right there and they had heard the stories of what their God had been able to do and what their God had done for them in the wilderness. And, and here they were all of a sudden camped right across from, from Jericho, right on the other side of the river. And they didn't know necessarily what was going on. And, and as Israel came across, they didn't know if, if Jericho was going to come out to meet them in battle or what was going to happen, but they were ready. You know, that's an interesting thing. Like, you know, Joshua was ready. So we know that he was a strategic thinker. As we see through the book of Joshua, we know that, that Joshua led by the Holy Spirit, you know, led by God as he is, is, is taking um, and through the conquest of, of Canaan, we see that he is a strategic thinker. And so like, you know, he's going to bring his army across at first. I find that really kind of interesting that he's prepared to meet opposition. When we leave these doors and we head out as the church scattered, we need to be prepared to meet opposition. Like there are things that are going to come our way that might be difficult. 
I don't know if you had a good week or a tough week or a bad week or if you had a week of opposition or if you had a week that seemed to be just blessed like the Midas touch. Every time you turned around, God was doing something amazing. I hope you had that week. That would be fantastic. But my guess is that some of us had a little bit of opposition. And we found ourselves facing, uh, you know, the enemy at work in our life against us, right? There are things that are real, that are, that are not flesh and blood, that there are in, the enemy is at work. And we know that there is opposition. And so when we leave these doors as the church gathered and we go to be the church scattered, we know that we may come across opposition. And we should be strategic in our thinking. We should be strategic. I love that Eric was saying that we should be filled with all the fullness of God because when we do that, we are operating in a way that, that we are going to be able to be prepared for what opposition that we might come against. We're not going to come against an army from Jericho with a bunch of spears and, and swords and shields. That's not how our enemy operates. But if we are filled with the fullness of God, that is some strategic thinking. And so there are some strategic things that we can do to spend time with the Lord, to be in his word, to be mindful of who God is and, and be uh, intentional about investing in um, spending time with him and filling ourselves just like Eric was saying, it takes work. But there's something strategic about that. But this morning we're looking at just this, this opportunity that the people of God have to put together this monument, if you will, of these rocks stacked together. And you would imagine anybody coming across this stack of rocks would have that question, like, how did these get here? Like, what is the story with these rocks? And so, you know, we find out, you know, that, of course, that this is all about, um, you, know, so, you know, so that all the, prop, all the peoples of the earth, verse 24 says, so, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now, this is not the first time um, that we see a call for the story of uh, what God is doing to be passed down from generation to generation. Uh, Psalm 78, if you want to, you can turn there. The first four verses, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Psalm 145, the first four verses there, it says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Flipping back, Deuteronomy 4 Verse 9 says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. I love that. I mean, I think Deuteronomy speaks to the fact that it's easy to forget. I mean, we kind of joked about how, how, you know, how easy it is to forget about how, you know, things used to be really hard. Like you had to wait till Netflix got you a DVD in the mail. I mean, can I tell you a side note? My wife and I, I don't know if you like this show 224, it kind of dates us, but like early married and like, you know, we had more energy then, I think. 
you know? So we would be able to stay up a little bit later because we'd get these DVDs from Netflix and then we'd like, we had to find out what happened next in the show. And like before there was binging, we were binging. Um, we would stick the DVD in and it would have four episodes, you know, and, and this 24 episode series. And uh, we really, it would be like 11 o'clock at night. Do you think we can do another one? Yes, we need to know what happens next. And it'd be like one o'clock in the morning. I know we have to work at eight, but like, do, could we do another one? And we look at each other like, yes, let's do another one, you know. Sorry, side note over. <laughs> How easy it is, is it not, to forget the things of the past? It is really easy, and Deuteronomy is saying that, right? Like, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. Like, literally, like, your eyes have seen God do these things. And has, how easy is it to, like, forget those? And yet, we're, we're instructed, we not only should we remember them, but we should make them known to our children and our children's children. All right, flip back to Psalm 102. Psalm 102, 18 through 20, uh, 22 says, Let this be recorded for generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. I love that. Just stop right there. Let's read that again. Let this be recorded for a generation to come, so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. That he looked down from his holy height from heaven, the Lord looked at the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who were doomed to die, that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord and in Jerusalem his praise, when peoples gather together in kingdoms to worship the Lord. So it is, it's pretty clear, right? These are pretty clear instructions from Scripture that we are to, to not only remember the things that God has done, but to pass them down to our children and for our children to pass them down to their children. And if, if we're going to, like, do that, we have to be really intentional. And what did the people of God get instructed to do right here in Joshua chapter 4? They got instructed to do something very tangible, very intentional. Like, take these big rocks haul them over to a place where they not normally are to be found, stick them there, stack them up, so that the world all over, people would know, anybody that walks by there are going to know, hey, there's something strange happened here. Like, what is going on? Tell me the stories of these stones. Oh, you need, you don't know? Let me tell you, these stones are here because God did something amazing. Let me tell you, like, like the water got heaped up all the way to, was it Adam? Like, it was like heaped up all the way, and then this entire riverbed was dry. Do you believe that? Like, I can't even believe that. This riverbed, completely dry? Yes, completely dry. All the water was over there, and it was completely dry. Not muddy? No, dry. It was amazing. It was like the hand of God did something incredible. It was like the hand of God. He knew that he had asked us, like, to, to go across this. Like, this was something that God was going to deliver he was going to bring us into the promised land, and it was amazing. God stopped the water. We went across. Praise God. That was his mighty hand at work. And, and we're and like, hey, and don't just, like, you need to tell your children that same story. Like, when your kids come by here through Gilgal, make sure that you relay the same story. We should be excited about what God has done. We should be excited to remember the things that God has done. Not in a wistful, like, oh, remember when God was cool? No. Like, because God did that yesterday, God can do that today. It is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen? 
So we have some, some, uh, we have some family stories that we like to tell. Do you guys have family stories that you like to tell? Like you get together and you're like, hey, let's, let's tell our fun family stories. And, and it's fun to like tell stories of, of, of our children as they are, are ex- you know, kind of maybe they're, they're experiencing different things. Uh, one of the stories that we tell, like one of our, one of our kids kind of rescued another one of our kids and it was this kind of heroic moment and it, it was really cool. And, and we, like to, we like to tell that story. Uh, but one thing that we probably can grow in as a family is, to, is to, to be even more so consistently intentional about telling the stories about what God has done in our life. We took one of our kids out the other day and kind of shared some of our story um, with him, and it was really good. Um, we had, you know, diff- different opportunities throughout, um, throughout our, our life to do that. In some ways, we've been consistent. In other ways, I'm, I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, ah, we need to, we need to be more consistent, right? And so... Uh, you guys remember 2020? Yeah. That's a, it's a year we all can remember, right? Um, and, and would you imagine it was a tough year for some people? Um, it, was, it was hard for us in a variety of ways. And uh, um, actually, my wife put together a, like a, a little book. And, you know, you've got all those online publishing things that you can do to make it uh, uh, easier than it was maybe 20 years ago. But um, she, you know, she put together some pictures, poetry, and some prose about how we saw God at work in the midst of that year. And so it's easy to kind of look back at that year and think, oh, that was a year to forget. There were a lot of hard things. And yet, we were able to trace, hey, you know, there are some things that God did in the midst of that year that were wonderful. And, and here's kind of a story of that. And uh, she actually made a book for everybody, and I think uh, it was this Christmas, it was uh, this last Christmas that she um, handed them out to everybody. So, you know, it took three years, but we got the story written. Um, you know, so like I said, we could be more consistent in, in this, but, but that was an opportunity and, uh, um, you know, to remember and to, to be intentional about remembering the things that God has done. So back to the text here, Joshua chapter four. Uh, here's a few observations. First, um, the, the memory stones are, you know, what do they do? Number one, it's, it's all about God. You know, to see the pile of rocks, the question, of course, as we said this morning, is, would be, like, what is this all about? And as the story is retold time and time again, it's not about what Joshua did. It's not about how the Israelites uh, were ready for battle with the 40,000 soldiers. It's not about how they uh, were fretting and worried, but just knew that, you know, uh, they just knew one way or another God was going to come through. It's, It's not about that. It's about God. It's about what God did. It's about the fact that his mighty hand was at work, and he did this miraculous thing, and it's, and it's, it's about God. And, it's, and as a story is retold for the current generations as well as the future generations, that it's God did this. It was by his hand. It was by his might. It was by his power through his faithfulness as the promise keeper that it's all about God. Secondly, that this was a missional moment. This was a missional moment. Now Joshua told the people of Israel that the stones would serve as a reminder so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty. It was not just so that the Israelites, children's 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 would know, but it's like all the people. This was a missional moment that this 
grouping of stones was not just for their little Israelite family, but it was so that all the world, the peoples of the world, would know the mighty hand of God. This is a missional moment. We see the missional heart of God for the world laid out for us in the Gospels, but God's heart has been missional from the very beginning. Again, he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so the same God that we read about in the Gospels in the New Testament that says, go and make disciples over all the world, that is a missional God. And he is a missional God in the book of Joshua. All right, here we see this. As these stones are stacked together, his heart is not just for future generations of Israelites, but also for the world to know of God and his mighty and faithful deeds. This is a great commission moment for Joshua and all the people of Israel that the world would know all the people of the earth. All right, third observation. This is about spinning it forward and not looking back. This is not being wistful about years gone back. It's not like, oh, I wish we could go back to the time before the internet. And oh, life was so much better without this. Or oh, life was back when we had to ride horses instead of cars, you know, like, like it's not wistful, like, oh, life was so much better back then. No, that's not what this is about. This is a spin it forward moment, not a looking back moment. This is to remember that how God has met us in the past, he will be with us now in the present. This is for future faith. It is for in the moment faith. You know, as we continue to, to look through the book of Joshua, we're going to see the faith of people of God tested. We're going to see that they go through some things that, are, that it's going to be important that they remember that God was all-powerful. It's going to be important that they remember that what God did as they crossed the Jordan. It's going to be important that they remember the mighty hand of God is faithful. It's going to be important for them to encounter those things and to remember those things because they're about to go up against some serious opposition. But spinning it forward even further, this is the same God that we worship today. And the same God with the same power is who we were singing songs about this morning together. So some questions to ask yourself. Where are your stacks of rocks? Where are your stacks of rocks? How do you remember the things that God has done? How are you telling the stories to your kids about what God has done in your life? I grew up in a, in a, in a family um, where, uh, you know, my, both my parents were professed believers. Um, but my dad, he, he would, he, you know, if I ever asked him about it, he would say, oh, you know, this, my faith is a, it's a personal thing. And he would never open up about what God was doing in his life. He would never open up about anything in that world. It was kind of closed off. It was shut down. And I read in Joshua chapter 4, and I read through the Psalms, and I read in Deuteronomy, and I see, like, like, we need to be passing our faith down to our children. Like, that's an important piece of the puzzle. And I love my dad. He was a good man in a lot of ways. I wish he would open up about some of the things that God was doing in his life. I, want to, I wanted to hear that. I wanted to know more about how God was working in his life. And dads and moms, your kids want to know they may not tell you, but later on in life, they're going to remember back thinking, man, I, I wanted to know more. It's important to talk about our failures, our successes, 
how it was difficult, how it was easy, the things that worked, the things that didn't work, how God did this, how God did that. It is important to tell these stories. And so where are your stacks of rocks? How do you remember the things that God has done? And how are you ensuring that these stories are being passed down from generation to generation to generation? Like, what are you doing that's intentional? So there's a man in my life that's been very, very intentional about that, a man and a woman. Um, <clears throat> my in-laws, uh, Carissa's father and mother, we call them Nana and Papa, you know, because they are. And uh, so one of the things that uh, they have done is that when we vacation together, I think I talked last time we were here about we go to Mount Baker on the regular, and, and that's one of the places that this has happened. But we try, to, we try to vacation together as an extended family once a year. And when we go, they are very intentional about setting up time every day, setting aside, like we're going to have a time where we're going to either tell the story of God or we're going to tell like some sort of devotional, um, not just kind of like a little devotional, but very intentional about this is what God is doing in our family's life. And this is how he is at work. And this is what he's done. This is what he's doing. And this is what we're hoping for the future. And they're very, just very intentional. Um, and we do that every year when we get together. And, you know, they'll have different parts of the family kind of lead the, the teachings. And getting the, as the grandkids are getting older, they get more and more involved. And, and uh, you know, it's been fun. I mean, most of this time, as we talked about last week, was, you know, spent at Mount Baker. One year, though, we spent it at a beach, and this was very fun. And uh, we were able to tell the story of God through images that were sketched in the sand. And so we would gather on the beach, and we, would, we all had these, like, drawings that we would do, in the, in, and we'd draw these really large sketches on the beach. And, like, we told the story of God from creation to recreation in these images on the beach. And we're just, he um, and she, John and Pat, they have been incredibly faithful um, to like how God is using them and how God has been working in them and experiencing transformation and growing and, and all of that and then sharing that story with their extended family. And it's been beautiful. And I look at that, I'm like, okay, these are some marching orders. This is like, these are setting some rocks on the side of the river. Like this is how to do it. These are some things that, that, that they're intentional about um, and I, I look at that, and I'm like, okay, okay, now it's like, the, you know, they're, they're still around, but at some point the baton's going to be passed, and I need to be, I need to be ready. Um, but we need to ask ourselves, what are the stories that we need to be telling our children? What are the stories of what God has done that we can share with our neighbors and coworkers so that the hand of the Lord would be known, so that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord is mighty? Of course, we do have the Old Testament, We've got the Gospels. We've got the rest of the New Testament. And with that, we have another opportunity for us to remember as believers the power and might and love of God. You know, his acts of love and truth, judgment and grace, creation and recreation are there in the midst of the Bible for us to read and to know and to remember. And so, like, maybe one of the best ways that we can be intentional about sharing the story of God with our family and with our friends and neighbors and coworkers is by knowing the Word of God, right? That's important because it's unlikely for us to walk by the Jordan River in Gilgal. I mean, I haven't been there. Um, but I got the word of God right here in my hands, and I know that I can tell the stories of what God has done, and I can read about the stories of what God has done, and I can pass those down to my kids. 
But more poignantly today, we get very specific instructions on something else that we should remember. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And the Apostle Paul is going to give us instructions about what Jesus set up for us and how we are to remember. The Lord's Supper. We'll just start in verse 17. I think the screen probably only shows verse uh, 23. But, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you, in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And so some instructions on the church. But verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so we get this like amazing opportunity. It's not a stack of rocks. It's not some large monument. It's not a big flashing shiny sign. But it's this amazing opportunity to enter into this sharing of communion, sharing of the Lord's Supper, sharing of this significant moment in the life of Jesus as we can read about in the Gospels, and this moment that we can share together as a church gathered right here in this room. We're going to do in a few minutes. And what a privilege it is to come into his presence and to remember his love for us on the cross. To remember that in our sin, in our brokenness, he first loved us. That in the midst of us not measuring up, that's when he met us and he redeemed us. His work on the cross is what justifies us. It's what makes us holy. It was his sacrifice that he endured, which allows us to be in his presence, to be in relationship with him, to be made holy. Communion is to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we also remember that the Bible teaches that one day the new Jerusalem is going to come to the new heaven and new earth where once again God will dwell with his people. And until then, we have a mission that we've been called by God, justified by his work in the cross, and then commissioned to go and to make disciples, to go throughout the nations preaching the gospel, proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the true king and bringing restoration, peace, and justice wherever we go. What hope we have in Christ.